The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hello, everybody. This is James Maynard, your co-host for the show Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. I have to explain that I have been battling a sore throat, so if my voice sounds a little weird, that's the reason. If, Hopefully, if, yeah, yeah. Is that ahead. an if, James? An if uh, the, voice? <laughs> I guess my voice does sound kind of weird, doesn't it? Yeah. So as long as you can make out the words, uh, try to uh, hear, hear past the voice. I have a deeper voice with this uh, sore throat. <laughs> so here we go. Today's topic, racism. Is it in you or your world? With the latest killings of unarmed black men by white police officers, lots of people are talking about race and racism, and many are taking sides. Instead of reacting and judging, let's see what we can learn. Racism may be, racism may be defined as the tendency to assume characteristics of a person based on his or her race. In other words, I see a white man and I assume certain things. I see a black man and I assume others, and so on. What does racism have to do with me? Have I suffered from racism, or do I recognize racism in myself? Have I done stupid things to try to prove I'm not racist? <coughs> Excuse me. What were the attitudes about race in my family, in my world? How have they impacted me? Whichever side we're on, it's easy, easy to condemn others. But how many of us are willing to take a hard look at ourselves and see how racism has affected us in our lives? So let's have an honest conversation. Let's look deeply into racism and start healing. So stay tuned, call in, and join the post-show forum. Uh, let tragedy feed growth. And now here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi there. Well, I'm sure you're all flocking to the show today. You just can't wait to talk about racism. It's the Christmas holiday season, right? <laughs> and we're trying to keep it light, but not on Inside Out. Well, the fact of the matter is that whether it's Christmas or New Year's or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or, uh, you know, you're an atheist, doesn't make any difference. Racism continues to exist in our world and impacts us every day. I read something recently that I thought was fascinating, which is that blacks and whites tend to have a different view of race relations than one another, different from one another. Um, meaning that black people tend to have a much grimmer perspective of what's going on among black people and for black people than whites do. Maybe that's because they're living it. Maybe they're the ones who feel, you know, the dis the difference in the income is so great between blacks and whites and even Hispanics. And um, so I thought that was really interesting. And of course, the other thing that we know has been going on is thousands of people have been marching about police brutality and um, the, you know, I guess you call it the alleged uh, discrimination against blacks by the police. And gosh, you know, I don't think there's any way of denying the fact that there's racism in our nation and in our hearts. Uh, and I wish we wouldn't 
deny it. And I wish we would t- take a look at it instead. And that's what this program is devoted to. So I'm willing to dredge up my dirty laundry of all sorts. And I hope that we are going to have some callers who are willing to take a look at themselves too. You know, when you go out and you march against racism, it's the implication is that you are not racist yourself. Well, I don't buy that. <laughs> I think everybody in our in our nation, unfortunately, probably most everybody in our world has been touched by racial stereotyping. So I'm willing to take a look at mine, and I hope that in typical inside-out fashion, you're going to take a look at yours, and I really would like us to move towards healing. You know, the other thing that comes up about the police brutality issue is that there is so much violence in our society, and I think it's extremely difficult to ex- to expect that police officers who are given so much power are somehow going to be able to constrain themselves, uh, whereas we can't. How how many of us, <coughs> excuse me, I'm catching this from you, James. How many of us have uh, misused our power against children, either yelled at them or hit them or hit someone else who was defenseless, uh, a woman or even a guy who we knew couldn't uh, fight back for whatever reason? It's so difficult when we have power not to use it because we're all so frustrated. And honestly, we are, how can I put it? gently. Most people are pretty messed up. We've had very damaging childhoods. We've been very traumatized. So many of us are under stress, financial stress, family stress, you know, physical stress. People are are not well. They don't come from a place of well-being. And then you give someone the power over someone else. And how many people are not going to misuse that? So I don't want to get into that unless somebody else wants to pick up on that today because that's a whole other but related conversation to the whole issue of police targeting blacks for discriminatory abuse of violence. But I don't want to make it look like the police are the only ones who misuse their power. I mean, that's something that we all do. So in, in, on Inside Out, we like to look at things from the I am that perspective rather than saying, what's the matter with those people? When are they ever going to change? So I'm not going to make James talk too much today. So I, uh, today. So I hope that some of you guys call in because he's such a fun co-host, but he is not feeling very well. He's also in bed, I'm going to tell everybody. Not with me. I want to say this. He's in bed by himself, and if suddenly he goes silent, we can only assume he has fallen asleep. I can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking about you, James. So anyway, so I thought that I would start the show. Uh, But first, let's invite people to call in. James, do you want to give out that number? Uh, yes, uh, please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You would think I would remember that number already, but I don't. So uh, I'd much rather have James repeated. So do feel free to call in, but I would like to start with myself. And 
Um, I grew up, I, I was born in uh, a Jewish neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York, called Bensonhurst, which I believe is all black now, or it was when I left New York 30, 40 years ago, actually, 40 years ago, I left New York. But when I was three years old, we moved to Queens, and we were poor, and we lived in a working-class neighborhood, but it was mostly white. And the only real images that I ever had of black people were, uh, I think I met a black cleaning woman, and she had um, straightened hair, chemically straightened hair, which I will never forget. Uh, My mother tried to get me to chemically straighten my hair because I had what black people would affectionately called bad hair. Uh, (laughs) So it was very, in fact, it was frizzier in my youth than it is now. I don't know why. Um, Does that mean you have a bad hair day every day? I did. I did. No, it was so (laughs) funny. Like I went to the West Indies. I was in Jamaica. and I said, oh, and people said to me, you have bad hair. So uh, anyway, so then I saw that, that woman. And beyond that, it was the movies and TV. And it was ghastly, ghastly growing up because of the era that I was growing up in. I mean, all the images on, in the movies were like Aunt Jemima, uh, servants, slaves, um, I mean, that was the image of black people. And I didn't have anything to compare it to. And when my parents, by the way, they always talked about not discriminating against anybody, especially being Jewish and coming out of the Holocaust. You know, that was the politically correct thing to say. But I have to say that, in fact, they were not beyond racism, which I sadly discovered much later in my life when they disowned me for going out with a black man. But... Um, Anyway, that was the image. And when I was 13, I went to high school. I went to the High School of Performing Arts in Manhattan. And boy, did my life change. I started meeting people of color. I met Puerto Ricans and I met blacks. And, you know, Charlie Small was playing the bass in in the cafeteria. And he was like one of the cool guys. And, uh... The Puerto Rican, uh, they, they were talented. They were dancers. They were, I was getting a whole other vision of people of other races. And now I'm not saying that Greeks are exactly of other races, but one of my friends there was Greek. And it was just a fantastic experience to get a whole different view. And then, of course, the beat scene and the music and the jazz and Charlie Mingus and, uh, you know, Ella Fitzgerald was from another era. But it was really very exciting and liberating to have a whole new concept of who black people were. And as I, you know, went to school, I met uh, black people from around the world and different nationalities. And by the way, other than that, I did have the National Geographic, which showed pictures of women, you know, that had 13 necklaces holding their heads up high. And I thought, oh, my God, these people are so exotic, but they're not like me. You know what I mean? It's like there was an otherness uh, that I got that sense of by looking at people in a National Geographic. And of course, uh, ultimately, I have discovered that we're all the same. Uh, you know, we're all looking for the same things, love, validation, we're all afraid. I don't care what race you are, what religion you are, you know, you're looking for a safe place to nest yourself and lots of goodies and, you know, the ego is the same and so on. But 
I, I also, however, got caught up in racism in another way because I, I was with a black man for eight years. And at that time, black and white couples weren't all that common. And he would have experiences. This guy was like super sophisticated from the West Indies that he had been uh, he studied in Germany. He he wore suits. He looked really, really, you know, very uh, together. And he would be walking down the street, uh, you know, in a white neighborhood and be picked, uh, stopped by the police who were asking him what he was doing there. And this was a total shock to me. But um, but then there were other sides of it. I went to a school, uh, City College, that was in the middle of Harlem, which is a black community in New York City and Manhattan. And I would walk down the right, the wrong street, and I was surrounded by a bunch of very hostile black people who said, you know, what are you doing in our neighborhood? I mean, it was really hostile. And a young man came out of nowhere. I didn't know this guy. And he walked over to me in the middle of a literal circle of hostile people. And I don't know why they were upset with me. Uh, there, there must have been something that triggered them. And he walked over and he put his arm around me and he, say, he said, hi, sweetheart, how you doing? And everybody dispersed because I had him. I mean, my life, uh, my, my boyfriend's family shunned me. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. I uh, had so many experiences with racism, racism from black people against me because I was white, racism among white people, uh, just that whole fear and uh, I'm going to tell you one more story because we have two callers already. And um, one of the th reasons that I mentioned in our introduction, you know, have you ever done anything stupid to prove that you weren't a racist? Well, I did because, see, I was a socially correct social activist and I was appalled by racism. And during these days, uh, you know, there was the civil rights movement and, uh, you know, you, the images that you would see on TV, I never got made it down. Well, I did get to the South at some point, but not during that, uh, that moment. Uh, you know, it was so appalling that I wanted to take a stand and I knew people like in the Black Panther Party and so on. And we were all on the same side in a way, but the hostility between blacks and whites in the movement was thick, absolutely thick. And, uh, and white people were desperately then trying to uh, prove they weren't racist and gave up their common sense and their brains and also their political perspectives in order to kowtow to the black people that now they were afraid of. And, um, you know, I stood up to that and was, um, had my life threatened. So, I mean, I've had it from all sides. You know, the FBI is after me. The black people hate me. And... Um, one day I was walking down the street in Cleveland and um, in Cleveland is a super segregated city, black and white, right? Or at least it was then. And um, I lived in a white working class neighborhood and there was a black man who crossed the street over to the street that I was to the side that I was walking down uh, in this white neighborhood. And I'm, I've mentioned that I'm chronically ill, I'm disabled and I'm limping along, uh, you know, in the snow. And I saw that guy and I said, why did he cross the street? But I was so determined to prove that I was not a racist that I stayed the course and the guy grabbed me, pulled down my pants, pushed me into an alley and raped me at knife point in the snow. And I thought, see, I felt something. I intuited that there was something going on. Not just, I just felt something and I ignored it because I didn't want to be a racist. So I'm giving you the potpourri, the hodgepodge, 
and by the way, I've been beat up by the police too, uh, even though I'm white. Um, but I have seen horrendous things, you know, uh, that, that were done to black people that just uh, made me sick. So for me, the whole racial topic is just full of angst and upset and, and you know, the upset of seeing people discriminated against and brutalized. Um, and also the angst that I feel about the anger that black people have towards white people and uh, sometimes the indiscriminate uh, expression of that anger. Not that I can't understand it and not that I would say that I would be any different if I were in their shoes. And the racism that I've had experienced from blacks who didn't want to be seen with me because uh, they didn't want to antagonize their friends. So this mushmash that I have put forward is kind of, <laughs> I don't know if that was helpful to anybody, but I'm just telling you that, you know, I have had to struggle with racism against me. I've had to struggle with not stereotyping people also because I have been raped violently by two black men and, you know, not w wanting to carry that energy into the rest of my life, not wanting to be a fool and pretend that I don't know that those kind of antagonisms exist. And uh, at the same time, I want to help this country and this world to heal. And I just want to say one more thing. Um, I'd like to say that we have a couple of callers on the line and we're going to be going to a commercial break in a minute because I'd like to bring them on and start with them right after the break. But I hope that you're opening up because of what I have shared, that you're letting things surface for you that maybe you don't want to think about or you don't want to talk about. And the, the whole situation is very, very distressing because I do know one thing for sure, that when people are discriminated against and when they are in a lower socioeconomic situation, they are going to be resentful and that resentment is going to create anger and that anger is going to be felt. And if you're on the other side of that, it's like being a rich person in a poor neighborhood. You will never feel safe because you will always feel that resentment. We all have suffered from racism in different ways, whether we are racist and that has just torn us up and destroyed our humanity or, uh, and or we've been, the quote, the victims of the objects of racism. And today, of course, so much of our racism is directed towards Muslims, even though they're not a, quote, race, they're a religion. It's kind of come to, to the same point. It's like, oh, my God, you know, all terrorists are now Muslim. Well, they're not, you know, and all Muslims are therefore terrorists. Well, they're not. And how many of us have not gotten stuck in the same racial stereotyping? And yet at the same time, how many of us are afraid to try to do anything about it because we might be hurt? Because if somebody buys into your neighborhood and the value of your house goes down, you're going to get hurt whether you're a racist or not. So just throwing all of that in your face, we're going to go to commercial break. Stick with us because we have things to say about this. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. 
at the website. Sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is Beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back to Inside Out. I hope I didn't come across as holier than thou because I'm definitely not. (laughs) I've had a lot of bad experiences on both sides of this. And uh, I don't think that I've gone unscathed. I think that I have more fear of black people than I did before. And uh, I'm not so, uh, I have a lot of fear of uh, police, by the way, because I've had a lot of experiences with the police that were pretty bad myself. (laughs) Get into that another time. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody know that I am not perfect. And here is our first caller, Helen. Welcome to Inside Out. Hi. Are you here? The first thing that struck me about your conversation was how much fear I have not only of both the blacks and the police and the and everybody else, <laughs> but the fear of the people who are judging them. Oh my God! Yes, Great the, the point. violence that comes out in in condemnation of the violence it just it, it amazes me. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I really wanted to say was just Well, how... but I'm also horrified by the violence, and this is what I thought you were saying, but the violence of the people who are violently assuming that there is no racism. I mean, the, the people, I'm horrified that people will pretend that racism doesn't exist and that it doesn't hurt people. And they're acting like, now, see, part of the problem with all of these police brutality things, except for the one where... It was um, that guy who couldn't breathe, you know, where you had the video. I mean, God, you're actually watching this, although I couldn't watch it. I, I just could not watch that. Uh, and you're saying, you know, is it really necessary to kill this guy? You know, is this really? But, but there's that, you know, where people lose it. Their, their abuse of power. And God, and I don't want to just blame the police because, like I said, the police are given a job. Uh, and every, there's so much pressure on them, and plus they have their own personal problems. Maybe they were beaten as kids. I mean, how the heck do we know? But the people who are then, uh, then denying that any of this exists, 
and that um, you know they they will just go out there and defend any white man on the assumption that he's innocent. There is no more validity to that than assuming that he's guilty. Yes, and I have to say that it gives me hope when I see people who are typically very conservative people who are taking a more neutral stand in this situation and saying, we really don't know either side. We really don't know. Right, but we do know. Humanity. Yes, I think so too, but we do know, and I'm not playing devil's advocate here, we do know that there is a history of the police being more violent. There is a disproportionate use of force against black people in this country than whites. Absolutely. And there's a disproportionate number of black men in prison. And that is also real, notwithstanding the fact that there are blacks on the police force, which was a step forward. So, I mean, it's all true. I can understand why people would make the assumption, you know, when a 12-year-old child is killed because he's got a, what, a toy gun in his hand, that seems a little extreme, don't you think? I mean, yeah. that's like, wow, where, is our, where are those perceptions coming from? But I don't know whether that, because I'm not going to judge, and it's like you said, you know, we have to be neutral. Let's investigate. I don't want to prejudge. But isn't it also true that the people who are out there policing are afraid of the people that they're policing and have an automatic fear also? So not only could they potentially be racist, but they're also scared. Right. And people have distorted perceptions when they're scared. I mean, what are we going to do about the fear that is driving all of this. And that's kind of why I was sharing uh, some of my experience because I understand, and I'm not black, you know, I understand to a degree what that fear feels like. When I walked in the streets of Jamaica, Kingston, Jamaica, and I was the only white person in sight and people stopped on the street to call me whitey, I was scared. I thought, holy schmagoli, is this what it feels like for a black person walking in the streets of a white neighborhood? Like, wow, what a wake-up call that was. Yep. Well, thanks for calling, Helen. You're welcome. And our next caller is Irene. And by the way, we don't have any other callers uh, hanging in there, so please feel free to call. Yes, Irene. Well, I don't really know any, um, I don't have any insight to offer. Um, <laughs> as you know, I was married to a black man, and um, that I'm white, and um, that, uh, that was an experience that gave me a sense after about a year or so, because I was very welcomed by his family. Um, that when I saw black, I could, I could feel the difference that when I saw a black man, I saw them as like a family person, mm-hmm. like some, that I belonged to him or mm-hmm. her in a way that I hadn't before. When you saw a black man in your husband's family or just on the street? On the street. I realized after a couple of years 
you know, and being with them at their gatherings and being very accepted by them, getting to really know them as persons, I suddenly experienced seeing black folks around me as as persons, or, yes. you know, as, as part of the human family that I'm a part of. Yeah. In a way that even though I went to high school with black women and really enjoyed them and and engaged with them, had never had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that it gives me anything other than heartbreak. I feel I feel such pain at parents who have to teach black parents who have to teach their their children some way of surviving in in their world and um, and wondering how they do that. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, uh, you know, I could see in my husband the um, pain from he as a black man in the, I don't know, he was born in 1930. So he was uh, living in at the edge of a white community and as black, and uh, the only kids in the neighborhood were white, and they could... They could come play, but they couldn't go in each other's houses. Mm. So, uh, you know, he experienced, I I, I know the the pain that he experienced Mm -hmm. all his life, and I know the fear he experienced all his life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know the way out. I feel the same way you've talked about and Helen has talked about. Um experiencing the racism of both sides and the terrible situation we're in with um, the number of uh, blacks and Latinos in the prisons and the fact that education is unequal and and so on. So I, I experience the angst of this. I don't know really what to do with it. Well, I think the beginning, you know, that we start out on this show with some honesty. And we would like to have some self-revelation where we can at least stop being so angry and or defensive and really start talking about how we have been caught up uh, you know, when you're in uh, an advantaged position because of the disadvantage of others, it's hard to give it up. Yes. I mean, affirmative action was fought and has pretty much been demolished. I mean, you and I and James uh, lived through the era of the Great Society where there was a war on poverty and there was uh, civil rights legislation and Voting rights, that, be, that was really important. And those things have been eroded. I mean, it's just like one thing after another have been eroded. Yet I could truly understand why a black worker didn't, I mean, a white worker would not want to give up his or her job to a black worker because that person needed it too. It's like we've been pitted against each other. Divide yeah. and conquer. Yeah. And the first thing, 
you know, it's, I think that we need to start talking about is that every one of us is impacted by racism, whether or not we're aware of it. Uh, we are living in Southern Oregon. I mean, there isn't a black in sight. I mean, actually, I saw one black person the other day. It was kind of shocking. And um, I didn't move here to get away from black people. I moved here to get to the trees. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, right. you know, it's a different kind, but there's always somebody to be afraid of. Then there's the people, the rednecks. I mean, we could be afraid of the rednecks instead. The people, the gun-toting Josephine County marijuana growers or whatever it is. There's mm-hmm. always someone that we don't feel comfortable with, that we don't know personally, that we have yeah. prejudices against. Or, you know, you've learned one thing or you've met one. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, how many times have I heard that? Oh, yeah, you know, Jews are cheap. I thought, really? I didn't know that. Well, how do you know that? Well, I knew a Jewish person who, whatever. And, and, and so, the, you know, the beginning is to open up our hearts on another level and saying, we don't want this in our world. We don't want this in ourselves. We want to see each other as friends. Can we ever get honest about this and get together and talk about it? I mean, I'd love to invite some black people to call in. But thank you, Irene. Right now, we have another caller. Uh, that would be Amy from San Diego. Oh, hi, Beth and James. Hi. Amy. Hi. Well, two things. One is, but I'm Jewish too, and I remember thinking um, what victims we are. That's what I learned growing up. Yeah, and then I started thinking that that's not a great place to come from, <laughs> and to be looking at life from that perspective. And yeah. so I've been actually prejudiced against that. Yeah, and um, at the same time, I was thinking that this is true. If I'm in an airport waiting for a flight, and I've often thought this: if I see someone who looks like Muslim and more than one person, particularly men, I would not get on the flight. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I know that that fear is still there. Wow. I mean, it hasn't happened, but if it were to, that's the thought that would go through my head. Wow. So I just want to admit that. I appreciate the fact that you acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, if I saw a group of black teenagers and a group of white teenagers, uh, I'd probably be afraid of both of them. <laughs> I don't James, do you have something to add here? Are you are you still with us on the planet? Uh yeah, I'm here. Uh yeah, I was just wondering uh in the uh, airport situation uh, uh maybe you could pierce through that by just simply making sure the security people are doing whatever they need to do and then, you know, if you look at that, you're watching them and you're satisfied. There's no point. Oh, what I would have no way of knowing is when you're going through security, you don't know who's on your flight. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what they're doing anyway. Yeah, but this comes out of that, just, that heading. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. in the back of my mind. Right. She's yeah. not even saying she would actually act on that. She's saying that that's the thought that would come to mind. Yeah, it would be, you know, I don't know about this. Right. And this is, what, 10, uh, 13 years later? You know, well, if what is worse, the worst thing about all of that, of course, is that we are traumatizing the Muslim community. Right. And I believe that, too. So I feel like it's not fair that, the, that as a community they get blamed for all of this. And at the same time, I'm acting racist about it. 
Right, right. Well, I mean, the, thank God you're willing to admit it because I think that the Muslim community has been so demonized oh, yeah. that, that, that now they are probably more and more afraid to be Muslim in, in, our, in our country. And uh, in fact, James and I just saw a documentary about some, some Muslim comedians who actually went out there traveled around and gave free comedy shows to people. They, they happened to go in the South, but I mean, this could have been true in the North as well. And um, it was really hysterical. The, the best scene was when they were reading from the Testaments and they asked the people coming by who were not Muslim, which Testament were they reading from? Was this Jewish? Uh, which was which the, religion? Yeah, which religion? Right. Was it from the Old Testament, the New Testament, or the Quran? And most everybody got it wrong because they couldn't believe, people could not believe that there was so much viciousness and violence in the New Testament. And the Old Testament, <laughs> right. Well, and the Old Testament, wow. You know, right, and, yeah. You know, and it's, so this is, so it was, I thought they were extremely gutsy. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I remember hearing somebody say, well, Quran is all violent. And I don't know anything about it, but I remember I hear people say that. And I thought, well, I don't know they if that's are, true or not, but so are so is the New and Old Testament, like you said. Well, the especially the Old Testament, but actually the Quran is not all violent. That's nonsense. And I think, you know, I think one of the things that we can do, uh, which is to start learning about one another. And right. It's, I, this is so simple-minded, right? It's almost embarrassing to say this on the air. <laughs> Why don't we... <laughs> You know, why don't you read something? Why don't you uh, watch a, a movie on the life of Muhammad? Why don't you look at the Quran? Why don't you start studying the history of Muslims in America? Um, mm. And, you know, get over yourself. You know, if you see that this is impacting you like this, Amy, and I so appreciate your honesty in bringing this forward, we have to take the responsibility to deal with our own racism. I don't care if we are black, white, or tangerine. You know, we right. all have to deal with it, whether it's racism against Native Americans or, uh, I mean, and some stereotypes are ridiculously positive, like all Japanese are smart or study. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and it, wouldn't it be, doesn't it behoove us? You know, one of the fantastic things about the internet is there's so much darned information. If you really want to know something, you can find it. Right. So I'd yeah, so I'd like to thank you for calling. And sure. uh, if anyone else would like to call in, please do, because we're going to be going to commercial break, and then we're going to come back to, um, to our show. And we're going to see if we can't do a little bit of healing around this. So stick around. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. 
But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back, everybody. We have one more caller, Rose from Ramona. I'd like to take that call, and then I'd like us to do something about this. I'm going to do a healing process for us. But first, let's hear from Rose. Hi, Beth. Hello there. I, I, I really appreciate the show today, um, taking me back to some of my uh, relationships uh, over the years, too. And I didn't have any barriers. I didn't have a, a family that was stopping me from, you know, relating to anybody and everybody. That was all okay. But um, I, I wanted to bring, you said at the end there that um, education is, is such a you know, a good possibility for bridge, bridgingness, and I agree with that. And I also a little saddened by, you know, the determinant of traveling that we've had because of the problems. And um, travel is such a nice way because then we get to meet people in person and yes. meet ourselves firsthand. And that led me to thinking about something else, which is that I really enjoy the surprise of breaking any little biases that I have. And, you know, they can come up around um, people that are overweight. You know, sometimes people that are overweight are very shy about themselves, and and I feel their discomfort, and then I'm discomforted to meet with them, you know, or talk to them. And um, people that uh, are not that way, that are outgoing when they're overweight, I love those people. (laughs) I love those surprise relationships is what I'm trying to say. I really, yeah, absolutely. You're saying get to know people in their own context and you'll see how many of your assumptions are flawed. Totally, totally. And um, I, I, I just want to let myself have that surprise. If I notice my barrier, um, maybe I'll go towards somebody and find out, oh, something else about them. It just happened to me recently on a plane, uh, a woman, I, I, the, the I, I Asian to, thing you said. So anyway, yeah, oh, I, I, that's it. I know you want to do a thing, so really, I'm all for I, it. I really appreciate what you've said, Rose, because the beauty of the world is that it's multicolored and multidimensional. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, listen, we can't imagine what our lives would be like if we did not have black people uh, and white people and Latino people and Asian people in it. I mean, yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It would be a very poor, uh, our culture would be completely different. Uh, you know, we can be racist and then I look at the sports and I'm thinking, what are people thinking? I got to let you go because 
Despite the fact yeah. that I wanted to do a healing process, we have two more callers and I want to take them too. So thank, thank you. you, Rose. Maybe we're going to have to continue this conversation because it seems to be striking a chord. So Elizabeth is next from San Diego. We'll have to be pretty fast, Elizabeth. Sure. Yes. Hi, Beth and James. Um, Hi. An aspect for me that came up is also like uh, prejudice or holding back from connecting to people who have mental illness. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And how that can impact us, you know, really getting to know somebody or letting ourselves be ourselves. I love that. Fear. A, yeah, that's right. And it's, it's, you know, it's so true. It's like getting to know people from the inside. I really appreciate yeah. your call, Elizabeth. And now, mm -hmm. last but not least, we're going to take Annette from L.A., the cauldron. Hello. Hi, Annette. Hi. Um, you know, I just appreciate the conversation you're having. It's, uh, it seems, I love what you said. It's very complicated. I have a sister who's a police officer, has been on the police force for, she just retired 25 years. She's had, you know, uh, guns pulled on her by 14 and 13 year olds and knives. And so I can understand the fear of the police officers, unpredictability of seeing a child and not realizing if they're going to have a weapon or a gun and change uh, her, not only her life, but her partner's life in a second yeah. if they shoot yes. or they stab. Yeah. Yeah. I have a father who's uh, a stepfather who's Latino, is a, a Mexican, and went through years of racism. In fact, I remember when he first married my mom, uh, he, I ran into the house when I was like eight years old and said, the kids in the neighborhood are calling you Mexican. <laughs> and he said, yes. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, because obviously they were had energy that it was a bad thing. Right, and then right. I have a nephew who's a gang member who's in prison. He was 30 years old. He's been part of the Latin Kings, his third time in prison. The corruption of gang members, the manipulation, their need for power, you know, it, it's all over the place. You know, so their disowning of authority you have and yet their own corruption. Family. I just, it's so complicated, the whole issue. And I mean, I have compassion for every side. I, I, it needs to change. And then I have um, relatives who have kids that are special needs. Uh, and that can be angry and full of testosterone at 18 or 19, and they're not going to call the police because the police don't have training for kids with special needs. Yeah. They'll use force. It's a very complicated issue. So anyways, I just wanted to say I, I appreciate you opening the book on all of this. I love what you said, Annette. Um, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're really... Uh, symbolizing the dilemma. It's like we are so busy stereotyping one another. And when you have personal connection with people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different experiences, then you get the whole, it's the same thing as Elizabeth was talking about too, about with mentally ill, that uh, when we, when we actually have lived in community or have relationships with people who are whatever it is, we realize how complex people are. And what I'm hoping that everyone is getting out of this show today is 
oh my God, can't we stop yelling at each other? <sighs> yeah. You know, can't we? We all want somebody to blame. We just, Exa- you know. Exactly. Exactly. And let's look at, I mean, can we not be honest with ourselves? If you come and you're brought up in a culture that promotes violence as the way of solving problems, then you're probably going to reach for violence as the first solution. Whatever color, race, creed, religion you are. If you have been hurt because you have been overtaken by brute force, you're probably going to feel that the only way to respond is force. I mean, I'm taking all the color and the creed and the nationality and the religion out of this conversation right now. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about people whose lands have been invaded like our Native American people. I'm talking about people whose families have been broken up like our Native American people and children sent off to special schools and deculturalized. I'm talking about black people, white people, minorities, disadvantaged one way or the other, the mentally ill, the disabled. I mean, the prejudice against disabled. Can we admit our own prejudices? And since we have so little time, I want to thank you, Annette, for calling. And thank you. I would you. just like to move forward. I really appreciate your call and everybody who has called in. And I want to say, let us, first of all, recognize that we are all of these qualities. We are all one. If you're black and you think that whites are just stupid, racist assholes, look inside. If you're white and you think that blacks are violent, look inside. If you're mentally ill and think that the world discriminates against you, look inside. Let us begin by looking inside. And I'd like you as a very quick exercise, because we have so little time left, want you to think of one group, one group that you have a tendency to demonize. Anybody, any group or fear, fear and or demonize. And think of the one one quality that you think they have that makes them bad. And I'm going to give you a moment to really go deep. It could be gays. It could be straights. It could be anybody. I think I am most afraid and demonize racists. (laughs) People who are unabashedly racist, not abashedly racist, but who are unabashedly, who think they're perfectly justified in, in condemning whole groups of people and telling them they should all leave the planet, right? All right, so I've admitted mine. And I'd like you to think about the quality that you most despise about that person and then ask yourself how... Do you exhibit that same quality? 
going to give you a minute to do that. You can find it. How am I like that? And how much have I projected that onto others and tried to fight it in others? I'm going to tell you really quickly because we are running out of time. I did a workshop on racism as a, as a phenomenon of projection back, oh, I don't know, 1992, something like that. And there was a woman who was complaining about Mexicans. And I said, what was it? You know, what, what are you blaming Mexicans for? And she said, well, they have children irresponsibly. And it turned out that she had had a child and she felt that she had been irresponsible about having that child. And wasn't that interesting? I bet you, if you're uh, absolutely ruthlessly honest about yourself, that you will find something in yourself that you don't want to face about yourself or deal with about yourself or you have pain about, about yourself that you could be projecting out to others. So, James, tell us about what's coming up next week. Yes. Our next edition of Inside Out will be Give and Receive the Gift of Peace, a free musical gift from Inside Out. Isn't that an interesting follow-on from the show? Yes. Uh, your host, Beth Green, is offering you a free musical gift for the holidays, a gift you can also give to others. Some of you may not know that Beth is a composer as well and has already created three CDs of sacred music, beautiful, mystical, and emotionally moving. On this week's Inside Out, we're going to listen to selections from her CD, The Gift of Peace. Plus, we'll meditate, share, and support one another to feel deeply connected to ourselves and the divine. Beth will also tell you how to get free copies of The Gift of Peace, both for yourself and to pass on to others. So if you want to nurture yourself and offer nurturing to others, then join us. So tune in, call in, let us know uh, your thoughts. Let's come together to claim a sacred moment for healing, regeneration, and upliftment. Your ears, heart, and soul will thank you for it. And please give and receive the gift of peace for the holidays. So be with us and have a happy holiday. And now a final word from Beth. Thank you, James. Well, the first thing is we have to stop condemning ourselves for being racist. And we all are. There's always somebody that we have demonized. We have to forgive ourselves for it. We have to look at it objectively. We need to find the root. And we need to take responsibility. Isn't that true for everything that's twisting us and turning us inside out and upside down? And in addition, I would like to say that we need to be really, really, really focused on self-honesty always because without that, we will not heal. So I'm so happy you joined me today. Come back next week and we'll offer the gift of peace. We need peace in our hearts in order to love one another. We can't be all torn up and distorted inside. We can't have rage brewing within us. We can't have resentments. We can't have been abused and have that unhealed if we think we're ever going to heal our world because we won't have that inner peace that we desperately need to look at ourselves 
to reach out and take the risk of being real with one another. Thank you. God bless. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week. Oh,